Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Man, isn't it great to be a part of expanding the glory of God across this earth by our praise, our worship, our coming together in the name that is above every name. Man, there's such power in the name of Jesus. Church, rise up. Rise up and operate in the authority you have. Don't you let the enemy steal, take anything from you. Don't let the enemy hold you back. There's power in your words when your word lines up with the word of God. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power by His Holy Spirit. Allow Him to dwell in you and flow through you. My, my, my. Rise up. Oh, I'm just going, I'm, so, I'm excited. I just can't help it. God gave me a message to share with you tonight. God's awesome plan for your life. God's awesome plan for your life. And uh, we're going to be looking at Colossians uh, chapter 1 in just a minute. Uh, but before, while you're turning there, uh, a quick announcement just came up. I think it's a, a ministry called Reach Across America uh, that uh, coming together, I think, Saturday. And they go to veterans cemeteries and you place a wreath on each of the uh, graves there. If anybody would like to be a part of that or know more about it, uh, you can see Casey. Casey, wave your hand. There he is right here. Y'all can see Casey after the service, and he can help give you more details about that, and you can participate in that special uh, event as well. Here, God's awesome plan for your life. Anybody in here excited about God's plan for your life? Amen. He has not just a plan. He has an awesome plan. Look at somebody and say, it's awesome. Just look at him. Say it, say it with some conviction. Say, it's awesome. Well, at least look at the person the other way that maybe you didn't like and, and tell them it's awesome. Brag about it. It's awesome. <laughs> Amen. Amen. We love everybody here right at Christian Embassy, so that didn't work. Well, let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just pray now your word. Make it real. Lord, open our eyes and our heart and our minds to understand, perceive, Lord God, that we can take and hear and, and, and obey and walk it out. Lord, help us to learn so that our minds can be renewed and help us to make application of it even this night and the rest of this year and the rest of our lives. To you be the glory and the honor and the praise. We thank you for it in advance. And everyone said... Amen. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. God's got an awesome plan for your life. And I'm going to show you that plan tonight. And the reason you need to know this and be reminded of this is you're going to have divine connections every day of your life, the remainder of this year, next year, when you're going about life. Don't think you're just, you're just navigating on your own. God is helping direct your steps and he is bringing you across people's lives that are going to need what you have. So you need to understand what you have so you can share with them what they need. You can help be the Jehovah Jireh, our God who meets all of our needs according to his riches and glory. He wants to reach out to those that may never reach up to him or reach out to him, he's going to reach them through you. And I'm going to show you how God's awesome plan for your life is going to help you be ready in the right mindset so that when those opportunities show themselves to you, you're ready. You don't have to think what to say, what to do. You know what to do. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 26, the Word of God says, The mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now it has been revealed to his saints. He is saying there's a mystery that they didn't understand in the Old Testament. There's a mystery that Adam and Eve didn't understand. There's a mystery that Noah and his family while on the ark did not understand. There's a mystery that Isaiah the prophet did not understand. Elijah, Elisha, there's a, the, all David and Solomon. None of these understood this mystery. 
but it has been hidden from them, but now it is revealed to us, His saints. If you have placed your faith in Christ Jesus, He is your Lord and your Savior, let me tell you what, you are now a saint. Did you know that? I know your mom maybe never called you a saint. I know your daddy didn't call you a saint. Your spouse probably hadn't called you a saint lately. They may have called you that before you got married and right after you got married, but maybe not lately, but God calls you a saint. Me and you've been sanctified, set apart for the call of God, for the plan that God has for your life. And as he has sanctified you and set you apart for his purpose and his destiny, let me tell you what, if you are yielded to that, you are walking in that sanctified position. You are a saint, as, as God has said here. Verse 27, he says, to them, God willed to make known. Now, when you see God exercising his will, you know things are about to happen you know that it is going to take place. He willed it to make known. What, what did he will to make known? The riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, that's us, who've been brought in, we've been grafted into the vine, grafted into the covenant of God. He has made these riches of his glory known to us, which is Christ. Christ is not Jesus' last name, so you're not having to change your last name. Christ is the Christos, comes from Christos, which Christos means the anointing of the the anointed one. Jesus was the of the anointing. He was the anointed one, the Christ. And that's the anointing of God that lifts burdens and destroys yokes. That same anointing that Jesus said in his first reading of the scriptures when he went into the synagogue and opened up into Isaiah. And he says, God has anointed me to preach the good news. So that anointing, that Christos, that same thing that is on us as Christians is not just on us, it's in us. Hallelujah. That anointing is in you. The anointing to raise the dead is in you. The anointing, that same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is in you, dwells in you to quicken, bring life to your mortal body. So the Christ, the anointing is in you, which is the hope of glory. And all of this was the restoration of that which the enemy thought he had wiped out for humanity. See, at creation, God created us and he breathed into us, mankind. He breathed into us his life. This is God's plan. This is his great plan. He breathed into us his life. He, he, put, he created us in his image. He, he gave us his presence. He filled us with his spirit and he gave us his power. He said, I want you to have dominion, take dominion over all the earth. You are to be a king of kings. I'm the king of kings. You're to be the little king. You're to operate and you're to be a Lord. You are to take dominion over all the earth. He gave us his power. He gave us his authority and he gave us his expressed love as we are the bride of Christ and that helpmate for him. So we know what the enemy did. The enemy said, God's got this awesome plan for mankind. I'm going to do anything and everything I can to thwart it, to throw a cog in the wheel, to cause some kind of problem. I've got to, I've got to interfere and see if I can't do away with God's awesome plan. So we know what the enemy did. He came in through 
the body because a spirit and this earth cannot operate legally without a body. So the enemy's like, I'm, that's what demons are always looking for bodies. That's why when they came out of the man of Gadara, they said, at least put us into pigs. And then the pig says, we ain't got had nothing to do with this. And they jump off into the cliff, into the water. But spirits are always looking for a body. Don't give an open door for no evil spirit to work in you. Hatred and anger and unforgiveness and lying and cheating and violating God's word and, 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 and taking and raising up idols before, you, before God where you're worshiping idols, where you're letting anything, time, games, uh, activities, uh, jobs, money, personalities, anything come between you and God. You, you're opening up a door for evil spirits to come in. They're looking for a body that's got an opening that they can come in and, and they can operate because they cannot operate uh, legally without a body. So Satan goes to what? He goes to the most beautiful creature in the garden. And the Bible says the serpent was the most beautiful creature in the garden at that time. Satan goes in and through that uh, serpent's body, he comes and starts talking to Eve and trying to get Adam and trying to get them out of God's amazing plan. Well, we know that they eventually gave in and disobeyed God's command. And uh, they, the Bible said, as God had told them, that the moment you eat of this uh, fruit, if you disobey and you do this, you will die. Surely you will die. Well, Satan tried to argue that's not the point. Well, we know they physically did not die at that time, but there was a separation. They were separated from God. The Spirit of God that was in them is no longer there. And that's where God is not going to leave us there. So now he has a plan. He has a plan. And that brings us to the three places or the three stages of God. And I want us to look at those here this evening. The first one is God out there. After the fall, when sin is evident in our lives, it is now we are separated from God. Sin separates us from God and God is out there. Now, what shockingly, here in the 20th century, 21st century, I still find most Christians, when I talk to most people, and even Christians, they relate to God as the God that's out there. And you'll even hear them praying, you know, God out there, please come over here. Or, dear God, help me to get over to there where you are. Or, draw me near. I mean, we even have some songs that just talk, draw me near, draw me near. It's like God is so far Dear God, up there, I'm somehow or another trying to get your attention. Please help me down here. That's kind of our prayers. It's an Old Testament mindset of God where God is distant and out there somewhere. Man put him there through disobedience and sin. Now we're like, you know, God's way out there. Adam and Eve made that conscious choice to disobey God disobey his command, and the consequences was that man would now live on a toxic dump of centuries of disastrous decisions that, that were always just violating the will of God, violating the heart of God, which removed us from God and poisoned every part of our existence. But God refused to let our bad choices be the end of the story. I love God. God is amazing. I'm, we messed it up. We had no right. We had no reason. We had nothing to bargain with. We were out. It was over and done. But God said, nope, that's not the end of the story. And this Bible account that we have, starting in Genesis and moving forward, is God progressively revealing himself to us, restoring to us a second chance to make the right choice. How many of you have made the right choice? And that choice is Jesus Christ. He did it for us. Amen. 
But when God began to step out into their reality, we read in the Old Testament, they were terrified of God. They were so afraid. In the Old Testament, they were so afraid of God, they would not even speak His name. If they're writing His name, they would not even write out His whole name. They, they believed that if they would see Him face to face, if they came into His presence, they would die. That's what they believed. He's out there, and He's too holy, and He's too righteous, and He's too a God of justice and a God of, of fire, and, and we're afraid of Him. So he gave them ten simple, uh, simple and, and reasonable commands, and they could not even keep them. I mean, they're not complicated. Did you ever look at the Ten Commandments? They are not complicated at all. But that over year after year, century after century, millennial after millennial, you see they're violating them. With fear, they brought their sacrificial lambs and their birds to atone for their, their sin and, and to seek God's favor and forgiveness. You read about this in the Old Testament, but they would return home the same sinner they were before. Nothing had changed, and it looked as though nothing could change. His righteousness and His justice it quickened our appetite for a closer relationship with Him, while at the same time His righteousness and His justice it, it exposed our own unrighteousness and injustice. And we we're afraid of God. He is out there. It seemed the door was closed and could never be opened. Nothing we could ever do could bring us back into His presence where we felt intimate and tender love. He's that eternal God, and there's no way we can ever have Him in, enter in to our tiny little three-dimensional world. And further, how in the world could He come in such a way as not to terrify us and cause us to want us to run and hide from His, His, His awesomeness, His power, and all that He has? But that brings us to stage two, or the third place, and that is God with us. And every year around this time, we start seeing lights and trees and bells ringing and songs being sung and joy and folks that are normally so crabbity, you don't even want to go by their, their station. And now they're seemingly whistling under their breath, even with a smile on their face, all because of this stage, God with us. Yes, the eternal God, he stepped into our three-dimensional world as a little baby. We held God. We played with Him. We tried to make Him laugh. We were not intimidated by Him. In fact, He lived with us for 30 years and we had no idea that He was even God. No clue. We thought He was just a carpenter. And when we found out that He was really God, we said, no, that's too good to be true. Because He's nothing like the little g-gods that we had created or seen worshipped here on this earth. He wasn't angry and He didn't condemn us and He didn't demand that we serve Him. In fact, He actually said, I haven't come to be served, but I've come, what? To serve. Not like any God that we ever thought of. His name, Emmanuel. God with us. I mean, this is almost too good to be true. If it just stopped here, it would be such an inspiring story. Here, God is a baby. He came and eventually He lived and He died for us. And on the third day, He rose for us. Hallelujah. But please note that the birth, the life, the death, 
and the resurrection of Jesus Christ empowered no one. Now, I am not speaking down on all of that. Let me tell you what, it's all necessary. And in its place, it all has great power. But just think about it for a moment. The birth of God coming to be with us and Him living His life a sinless life to pay off our sinful debt and then dying for us. The wages of sin is death. He died for us and then He was raised on the third day. None of that empowered anyone. After all, even the resurrection, after the resurrection, those 40 days that the disciples are seeing Jesus walk among them, they're still cowering behind closed doors. They've seen Him. They've known Him. They've spent time with Him. God has now come to be with us. And He has done these amazing things for us. But yet it still hasn't changed us. It still has not caused a, 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 an authority to be reunited to the creative order of that which is in our spiritual DNA. So it's going to take more than His resurrection to propel this remarkable salvation down through the centuries into all the world. It's going to take more. And God knew that. Jesus knew that. Told the disciples, this next stage is so very important. Without this, the world will never know. The world will never be reconciled to me. So he took us to stage three, which is now God in us. So very, very important. Let me tell you what. So very, very important. Stage 3 began with the sound of a mighty rushing wind we read about in Acts chapter 2. Everyone in that second story room there in Jerusalem, even the children, they knew what this was. It was a supernatural announcement of heaven coming into their presence. And it leaped from their history into their very present tense. It was the literal presence of God there with them. And then fire, not just wind, but fire, the Bible says. And that, isn't that how John the Baptist introduced him in Matthew 3 and 11? I indeed baptize you with water under repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not even worthy to carry. He's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire, fire, fire. Fire had through centuries proclaimed the presence and the power of Almighty God. Remember, Elijah prayed for fire to fall from heaven. Uh, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, you see the prophets are talking about the fire of God. It was Moses who saw the burning bush and saw the power of God. The fire of God was going to bring his children who were in bondage out of into deliverance. Then what they never, ever ever imagined could happen pieces of that fire begin to break off and it began to rest upon each of their heads hallelujah where is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob now? This is beyond belief. He's, he's not just out there. He's not just around us and with us. But all of a sudden, men and women and children, old and young, no one was left out. No one was disqualified. No one was preferred over the other. And now the fire of God came upon each of them. Hallelujah. What can all of this mean? Well, Peter, he reaches back 800 years and through Israel's history in the little book of Joel and, and he begins to quote these verses in that very moment in Acts 2 and 16. He said, but this, 
This, what we're seeing right now, this is what the, was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my Spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. And I'm going to show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath. Blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, God, who was out there, who then came as Emmanuel to be with us, has now chosen to come back into these bodies that He had originally created to be carriers of His Spirit. Now do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost and He has brought wind and fire. He has brought His power and presence in us to flow through us. Hallelujah. During this last day's window in time that we're living in now, there are three things that are more true than ever before. Three things that stand as truth as everything around you may look like it's falling apart. You can know these, these, these three things will remain true. The first one is God has formed a prophetic community made up of all male and female, Jew and Greek, and of all pe peoples. He's preferring no one. Your race neither makes you qualified or disqualified. The color of your skin does not qualify or disqualify. Your gender does not qualify or disqualify. Your age does not qualify or disqualify. That this new plan of God, of restoration, of God coming to be in us is now not reliant upon us and our age or us and our race or us and our whatever. It's dependent on the power of God, the presence of God, the Christ that is in us. Hallelujah. That's the hope of of glory. So God has formed a prophetic community. You and you and you and you it's not a prophet that's coming through town to share a word. It's not a prophet that puts the title on his name and starts a website. I'm telling you, God has formed a prophetic community made up of you and me. And it's time for us to realize that the same voice of God and the same power of God and the same anointing that was in Jesus Himself is in us. And God wants to use us. It's His plan to work through us. Hallelujah. I think I put up there, we are now able to do what only a select class of prophets could do before. To see and hear and speak and act from God's perspective. That is now on you. God is going to bring you into the path. He's going to bring you through the crossroads. He's going to bring you to people. He's going to prompt you in your spirit to go to certain people, call certain people, text certain people, reach out to certain people. This Christmas season, I'm telling you, He's preparing you. He's awakening you to the realization of who you are. You are a spirit-filled child of God, sanctified, set apart, filled with the Christos anointing that brought again Jesus Christ from the dead so that you can bring life to, and resurrection power to people's lives that are walking dead. 
They've got TV shows out there, The Walking Dead, and trying to come up with all kind of make-believe. But you know, if there's someone living their life without Christ today, they are The Walking Dead. They have a hole so big within them that nothing, money can't fill it, uh, relationships can't fill it, drugs can't fill it, alcohol can't fill it, activities can't fill it, thrilling moments can't fill it. I'm telling you, they tried and tried and tried. It's an empty hole that only Jesus Christ can fill and they need to know about Him who was out there, who came to be with us, who now wants to come and fill that hole and live in us and flow through us. They need to hear about Him. Everyone who calls upon His name shall be saved. How are they going to know whose name to call upon unless you and I don't demonstrate and represent and share the love of Jesus with everyone we meet? Let that be your call. Let that be your purpose. That's God's awesome plan for your life. Three things more true than ever. Secondly, there are signs in the heavens and in this earth of a world falling apart. Literally, the, high, the, the skies have not drawn dark yet. As we see in the end of time, as things that begin to unfold, how things are going to happen, but we see the signs. We see them above us. We see them around us. We see them behind us. We see them in front of us. People living in darkness and people living in destruction. Their ideologies that were so far-fetched that people would at one time said there is no way that a human being that has any sense of, 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 of brain power at all, any sense of not being raised by wolves, if they were raised within a human community, they would never, ever even think like this. And now laws are being passed to support and force ideologies that are so contrary to God, that are so destructive to humanity, that would promote things and promote uh, 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 atmosphere even above the lives of people. How could this be? There are signs in the heavens and that this world is falling apart. There's more deaths and destruction that are taking place in such a way that uh, are destroying families and destroying communities. And, and it's all being done in a new ideology of that which is right, which is calling that which is wrong right, that is calling dark light, is calling, you know, what the Bible says, what is up down. It's the reversal. The Bible prophesied it would happen. The world is falling apart. And when their world is falling apart, what I have found, if, if I come to, across someone's life, who someone, a person in their life, and they feel like their world is falling apart, they want to know, where do I call? This ideology has left me more isolated and more in pain and more uh, feeling like I should kill myself than, than ever before. I followed this darkness of the world and it just left me to a darker, deeper uh, place, a pit. Who do I call on? Who do I reach out to? Usually in the everyday of their broken and hurting lives, they're calling out in the midst of their great pain. There's call, let me tell you, there's calls out there. You're passing them by, and if you don't open your ears, you'll never hear them. There are people hurting all around us. And often when they do pray, sometimes they curse. Sometimes they pray, sometimes they curse and pray. I've heard it with my own ears. Calling on the Lord to be saved is seldom religious. Others who hear them will sometimes sympathize but ignore. But that is not what you and I are called to do. 
You don't clean them up. You bring them to Jesus and let him do the cleaning. He's the sanctifier. We've been filled with the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ. And through you, Jesus is present. And when Jesus walked into the midst of the sinners, he did not curse them. He did not rebuke them. He did not run them off. But with a heart of great compassion, he met them at their point of greatest pain. And he shared love from heaven. A love that they were created to live in, which they've been isolated from. And they identified that love is something warm and tender and, and something they could accept. And they said, whatever you have to say, I want to hear it. Because first, I felt your love. Oh, it's easy to damn them. You're going to hell living like that. Going to hell. It's easy to do that because you've got a lot of anger in you that needs to be dealt with. And it feels good, but it's not good. We're, we're to emulate Jesus Christ because Jesus the Christ has put his Christos in us. It's his plan, God in us. So he said, what you see me do, you can do it. But even greater things, because now all of you can do what I did as a single individual. You can all do corporately. But we got to make sure we're letting what he did flow through us. God is now in you. You hear what he hears. You say, I don't. I've taught you on how to hear the voice of God. We've got class on how to better hear the voice of God. Just stop demanding your way. If we're not careful, we become the most egotistical, arrogant, prideful people. We make Lucifer look like a choir boy. But yet we don't see it because pride blinds. Stop demanding your voice be heard and stop long enough to hear the voice of the one who created you. He's speaking right now. Some people say, well, pastor, I hear God speak to me so much in your sermons and thank God he does. But you took the moments to sit here and to tune in and say, you know, I want to hear something from God. The good news is you don't have to wait till Pastor Tim speaking. God speaks. He can speak through donkeys. I'll, he, I'll, I'll donkey for him anytime. But he'll speak to you as well. So that we'll hear what God hears so that then we can feel what God feels. Now, when you feel what God feels, Pastor Radica doesn't have to get up here and give you a list of ministries and try to twist anybody's arm to try and get them to do it. You're coming to us saying, we, we, can the church be a part of this? I got to do it. I just got to do it. That's a whole different thing than trying to say, to be a good church, we got to do good things and do good things. we got to get you all lined up, signed up, doing good things, and we don't have enough people signed up. Shame on you. Shame on you. Bad, bad, bad. Come on, sign up. Let me tell you, when you hear what he hears, and you begin to feel what he feels, and you'll begin to see what he sees, you can't help but do what he does. I talk to pastors and communicate with pastors, especially of struggling in smaller churches that are reaching out for assistance and help uh, and guidance and wisdom uh, almost every day or so. It's just, just the numbers are growing. And some of them says, I'm throwing in the tail. I'm quitting. These sorry people won't show up. I got three people showing up. And somebody says, uh, you know, some, my, I had a friend of mine tell me, well, if you got three, you ought to thank God. And if you be thankful for the three, you'll get, you'll get three more, you know. And I'm just sick of it. I'm just, I, I don't, I just not going to do this anymore. If they don't appreciate me, 
Let me tell you what, when you hear what he hears and you begin to feel what he feels and you begin to see what he sees, you're going to do what he does. And it doesn't matter. There's nothing going to discourage you. If three don't come through those doors, there's 3,000. There's right here, 1.7 million right here in Hampton Roads. So why is it that I'm going to limit him to those three that stumble through my doors? When I got two good feet and I can get out there where there's 1.7 million. Come on now. See, when you begin to do what he does because you hear what he hears and you feel what he feels and you see what he sees, it's, it, ministry becomes easy. Ministry is, it begins to be that, 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 that river that is in you, that is flowing out of you. And that what Jesus said? Let the river flow out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. It just flows. You just, you just find in places to direct it. Well, when you give me the title and you give me the position and you give me the salary and you give me whatever and whatever, then I'll step into ministry. Oh, my goodness. You're not hearing what he's saying. You're not seeing what he's showing you. You're not feeling what he feels. That's why you're not doing what he does. Does that make sense? You hear someone whose world is falling apart and they're calling out to be rescued, to be saved. If you see what he sees, you understand that this is the moment that you were destined for, that you're there to share them with the gospel message, the too good to be true news. And you don't care whether you know the Romans road to salvation. You don't care whether you know exactly the whole theological uh, 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 dispensations of God. You know, that isn't it. You know Jesus. You know Jesus. And he who was out there, he came to dwell with us, among us. And now he lives in us by his spirit. And he's a river ready to quench somebody's thirst through us. And you share Jesus with them. See, this encounter defines the church. It is for that moment when someone is crying out where the gifts of the spirit were given Here's where a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom would be so appropriate. And if you're hearing what he's saying, you can say what he's saying and you can help change someone's life. Hallelujah. See, the gifts of the Spirit. Let me just say something. I hope this doesn't hurt your feelings. If it does, you can get counseling afterwards. Uh, Doc, are you here? Yeah, we well, can go see Doctor, <laughs> And he'll help you out and get you scheduled in somewhere. But you know what? I'm going to say it anyway. The gifts of the Spirit are not for the prophetic community to just indulge ourselves in. That's not what the gifts of the Spirit are for. They are presents. You know what a present is wrapped up with a bow on it? They are presents that Jesus has given for us to give away to people whose worlds are falling apart. That's who needs them. The fruit of the Spirit. You know what? Love, joy, and peace, and patience, and kindness, and goodness, and faithfulness, and gentleness, and self-control. The fruit. Let me tell you what. When, they're, when they feel like they're dying, and they have nothing, you give somebody some fruit. You give somebody some fruit in the natural, it will give them energy. It will help them and give them hope. Well, we have fruit, and it's in abundance. And the more fruit we give away, the more we have, because it's the fruit of the Spirit. There's no limitation. There is no budget. There is no... There is no uh, harvest time uh, that is being set by, back by some drought somewhere. No, it is the fruit of the Spirit. Love. The more love you give, the more love you have to give. 
and the more you experience love. Joy. This is not a season for us to go around ignoring this big, big word that is behind me. We're trying to get a message. Joy, unspeakable and full of glory. And the more joy you share, the more joy you aware. Peace. Nothing broken, nothing missing. Someone whose world is falling apart needs to hear that message. That the God that we serve, the God who was out there, the God that our sin drove him away and put him at a distance from us is the same loving God that says, I'm going to make a way. And he sent his only begotten son to be Emmanuel, God with us, who while he was with us said, now I'm going away so that I'll send my spirit and I'll be in you. Hallelujah. Oh, that we can let people know your brokenness can be renewed. There's a reversal of the curse in and through Jesus Christ. Peace comes to our Savior. Patience. You say, well, I just don't have patience. I didn't ask you to have patience. Look at someone next to you and say, he just gave you an excuse. <laughs> no. He just gave you an excuse. I didn't ask you to have patience. These are the fruit of you you? I didn't read that in my Bible. It's the fruit of you. It's the fruit of the Spirit. So there's ample supply. There's more patience in you than you've been, allow you've been allowing to flow through you. You've been what? Quenching the Holy Spirit. Oh, you just thought you needed to what? Don't pray for patience. I heard someone say that recently, and I just wanted to just... You know those pool noodles, those things you float around? You know, you can hit somebody with one of those real kind of lightly and it doesn't hurt. And I'm not, a, I'm not a brutal person or anything, but when people say some stuff sometimes, I just want to take a pool noodle and just pop them on the head and say, is anybody home? Don't pray for patience. You're trying to quench the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is patience, kindness. You know what? you could do to be kinder to your spouse. I don't have to say that because my baby girl, she is so good to me. I tell you what, she, even today, she was just saying things to me, even right before I got, got to church. And she, she, I was like, man, I'll preach like Superman. Mm. She said, I'll be right there, baby. I'll be amen in you. I know it's a word from God. I know it's going to be life-changing. What you preaching on? I said, Jesus. She said, 24 years, that's the answer I always get, but I'll be right there. Oh, yes. Goodness. Faithfulness. Gentleness. A hurting world where everything's so chaotic and everything's so seemingly confusing. The gentleness of a God flowing through you that says, just give it to me. I can take care of it. Just give it to me. You don't need to fret. You don't need to pull your hair out. You don't need to get all worked up. Just let me be involved. And the gentle hand of a giant God can literally transform our circumstances. And that's self-control. Now, the, the very term there that's translated from the Greek makes you think it's you. Self-control. <laughs> Brother Harry tells the story. He was telling it at the men's uh, 
the men's breakfast this past third, uh, Saturday, and uh, about 100 years ago, I think it was, uh, he used to smoke. And uh, had to be 100 years because he was a young man. And, and uh, he said he said everything. He laid those cigarettes down. He threw those cigarettes away. He said, I'll never smoke again. He put his hand on the Bible. I'm never going to smoke again. And he's just fighting that thing with his self, his self-will. And then next thing you know, he's going to the store and he's buying a pack of cigarettes and he smoked one cigarette, come under condemnation, throw the other part, the 19 or however many there's away, smoke the one and then he get it all the way to the filter because he's going to get every bit of that one. If he's coming under condemnation, he's at least going to get it. Must, and he throws them and he lost so much money, but he could not, could not break it because he thought it was self-control. But there is a supernatural, divine, sanctifying power of God that will bring heaven's control in and through our lives, ourselves. So the control is manifest through ourself, but it's the fruit of the Spirit. Paul talks about it. I've tried and I tried and what I say I'll never do. I do and what I say I will do, I don't do. He says, oh, what a wretched man that I am. But when you see and understand that self-control is the fruit of the Spirit, that God in you, all you got to do is let him flow through you. Man, it just takes the whole thing to a different level. And then there's the gifts of the Spirit. People are in the hurting world. The heavens, the earth, the world is falling apart. Darkness, deep darkness is draw, dropping on us. It, it, we see it all around us. People don't know which way to go. People don't know how to right side up. They're, they're the pilot without the instruments and they are fooling, they're fooled and they're flying upside down, but they think they're flying right side up. They say that can happen. And when you pull up to go higher, thinking you're going higher, you're really pulling up and you're going down and many crash that way. Some would say John F. Kennedy, not John F. Kennedy, but his son, that was what happened with him. But when wisdom can come supernaturally into the circumstance and the situation, not an instrument panel, that's the wisdom of man that is there that will help you. But we have greater than that. We have the wisdom of God who created the heavens and the earth. And we can, we can give a word of wisdom to someone. We hear what God is saying so we can say what God is saying to the person so then they can hear us. But by hearing us, they're hearing God. And now God is directing their steps and bringing them up and out and around. Whatever it is, they need words of wisdom. They need words of knowledge. Faith. God yet has given us a measure of faith, each and every one of us. But there's also divine, supernatural, Holy Ghost faith. There's a faith that the Holy Spirit brings into our lives and folks that are in the darkest of times needs the greatest shining of faith. And they need you to come alongside and shine that light for them. This Christmas season, you're going to come into uh, the crossroads with people. I'm preparing you. God said, prepare you, prepare you. He said, my kingdom come, my kingdom come. My will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He said, there are those that need healings. Healings are gifts of the Spirit. Not something I can do, not something you can do, but God working and flowing through us can bring healing into people's lives. Hallelujah. Miracles. Prophecy. Discernment. Tongues. With interpretation. Divine messages interpreted even for those who are unbelievers to help them 
Get their attention that they might believe the Word of God. These are gifts that are released through us in the same way they were released through Jesus Christ. By asking the Jesus question, is there anything I can do for you? Can I serve you in any way? He goes up to a blind man and he says, what can I do for you? A man laying by the pool of Bethsaida, what, what do you need? What do you need? You can see what it, no, what do you need? Tell me. I'm here to meet you at your point of expectation. I'm here to meet you at your point of receptivity. Nothing religious about that, just a simple offer. Can you meet people this Christmas season and say, how can I help you? How can I serve you? Is there anything I could pray with you for? I, you know what? I have asked thousands and thousands of people. I'm surprised. I know my record may one day get broken, but no one has ever denied me when I've asked them, can I pray, with, can I pray for you? I've had people say, yes, please pray for me, but not now. I've got a, I'm a pressing appointment, but please pray. They never said no. Not, not that they want, but most people are so open in their world's falling apart lives for any life raft, for any hope, for any kindness that is offered their way. Oh, as we go through this Christmas season, let us offer the supernatural presence and presence. The presence of the Lord and the presence of Jesus Christ. And when you stand with someone whose world is falling apart and you hear what Jesus hear, hears, you'll be fully equipped to respond. And when you do, that's what we call Pentecost. See, Pentecost is not a bunch of running around and people running into each other and falling down, okay? I, I'm telling you, I've seen people excited and do that and nothing wrong with it as long as you don't get hurt, okay? Nothing wrong with having a little fun. I've heard people screaming and shouting and screaming and hollering and that they say that's Pentecost. That's just their response to the supernatural manifest of God when a stimuli that is greater than you and you touch it. And there's a lot of people scream. Some will run. Some will cry. Some fall out in the spirit. Some of them die. That, that's okay. But none of that is, 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 is the Holy Spirit. None of that is Pentecost. That's just, that's some of the, you might would say, the results of it. But true Pentecost is walking in the anointing. And letting the anointing of God, God in you, be ready, sensitive, and at any moment's notice, quickened by the Spirit to let the river flow through you to meet somebody's need, to give somebody direction and hope, and to help them come up out of some pit, a same pit that maybe you at one time was in. God's plan for us. God's plan for us, let me tell you what, is absolutely amazing. It is so, so true. Hallelujah. And then if you guys would just uh, go on to the next uh, one. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord, he said, shall be saved. Anyone. Anyone. You're walking through life this Christmas. You're attentive. You're understanding God who was out here, who then came to be with us, is now in me. Lord, help me hear, help me see, help me know as I'm walking through this life if there's anyone that's ready to reach out, anyone that needs help, anyone that I can direct them to call on the name of the Lord.
because everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen? John 14 and 12 says, Jesus said, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will also do. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that my Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. You have an unlimited resource to tap into of the anointing of Jesus Christ in you, God in you, to help meet the needs in you and around you. Did Jesus bring hope, the hope of salvation to the lost? Did Jesus use faith to meet people's physical needs? He took two fish, five loaves, 5,000 men and their wives and their children. He said, go fishing, got a fish, pulled out a coin, met a physical need. So did Jesus bring hope of salvation to the lost? Yes, he did. He said, what I've you seen me do, you do it. Bring hope, bring hope of salvation to the lost. You can use your faith to meet physical needs. Hallelujah. Did Jesus heal the sick? He said, if you saw me do it, do it. You can lay hands on the sick. Just pray. And don't worry about if they get healed. What if they don't get healed? Whatever. He said, lay hands and pray. Believe to receive. You've done your part. He's the healer, not you. Did Jesus encourage the downtrodden? Yes, he did. Should you encourage the downtrodden? Yes, you should. Did he inspire the hopeless? Yes, he did. Should you inspire the hopeless? Yes, you should. Let me close with this. Mark 16, 16. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs shall follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. My, these are signs that will follow those who believe. Do you believe? And then he said in 1 Corinthians 2 and 4, he says, And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words, Paul said, not limited to leaning on human wisdom, but what came to you came, what? In demonstration of the Spirit and the power. The Spirit and the power. I pray right now, in the name of Jesus, that there would be the demonstration of the Spirit and power. I pray right now, Father God, in the name of Jesus, every person that is tuned in, every person that is listening, every person that has ears to hear, let them receive this prophetic directive over their life right now, that as they go through this Christmas season and the remainder of their life, Lord God, that their lives would be representative of you, God, who was out there, but who came to be among us, who now lives in us to flow through us. May there be a demonstration of the Spirit and a power that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but that your faith would be grounded in the power of God. To God be the glory, to God be the honor, and to God be the praise. Can somebody say amen? amen. God's greatest plan for your life. He has an awesome plan for your life. He has an awesome plan for the lives of those around you. People are going to be so amazed. So, their lives so transformed. Their lives so changed 
Because on the path of life, they came in contact with you. It may be on an actual trail like that. And their world's falling apart. But you're going to bring them the God who creates and recreates the world. And can recreate their world. And introduce them to Jesus. Oh, help us God. To live this awesome plan that you have for our lives. Amen? Would you stand with me please? Hallelujah. Father, we do thank you tonight for this awesome plan that you have for us. Thank you that you didn't leave it where our sin had separated us from you and you were out there. Thank you that you loved us so much that you sent your only begotten son, Jesus, Emmanuel, to be with us. And that Jesus, you came to not only be with us and reconcile us to the Father, but now by your Spirit to dwell in us. But not only to dwell in us, that we become reservoirs of your greatness and your power, but Lord God, that you would now flow through us to come and quench the thirst and, and try to, Lord God, reach out and bring help to the hopeless to bring deliverance to those in bondage, to bring the warmth of your love to those who feel like they're outcast and there is no way, to bring your presence and to bring your presence into their lives. That can't happen unless, Lord, I die to myself. It's not about me. I'm to live for you. So, Lord, in this closing prayer, we each take individual inventory of our lives to see are we totally surrendered to your great plan for our life? Or are we still trying to manipulate and control and manage it ourselves? Are we still self-conscious? Are we still image-driven? We care more about what somebody thinks of us than we do about bringing the life raft of hope and change to someone who's drifting at sea and otherwise would be lost to eternity. But to do it in such a loving way, such a serving way, such a kind way, such a good way that no one feels condemned, no one feels preached down on, but they sense the presence of you. Help us, God, to do as John the Baptist so said, less of me, that there might be more of you, that I might decrease, that you might increase. Lord, I pray we would surrender to your sanctifying work in our lives, even here this night. Help us, God, that we would decrease. Understanding what that means, not downing ourselves, not condemning ourselves, but realizing that we have you we are vessels of honor we have you stored up in us oh god less of me and more of you that you may flow through us to those around us lord i'm praying for salvations i'm praying for healed relationships i'm praying for healed bodies i'm praying for deliverances lord god i'm praying for miracle manifest i'm praying for breakthrough i'm praying for joy to be restored i'm praying for peace to flood lives because of these spiritual 
supernatural men and women of God here this evening who said, Lord, this awesome plan for your, my life is for you to flow through me so that those around me can know you too. I pray, God, to you be the glory and the honor and the praise for every soul, every life, every family that is touched and changed by your glory in and through us as we go forward. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.